0: Stargate Rewatch Podcast.
1: I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 21, Crystal Skull. Yes. Not to be
0: confused with the Indiana Jones movie. No. Or is it? No. No.
1: I mean, there are are both aliens and Crystal Skulls, so I kind of, kind of, but no. 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 This, this, This is much better than Indiana Jones, I will say.
0: I would say yes. Except, I don't know, the CGI in this one was very 90s CGI. Oh, but yeah. other than that...
1: Okay, yes, the CGI in Indiana Jones is better, but the story in this episode is better.
0: Agreed. Very much yes. agreed. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: yes. Although I am looking forward to Indiana Jones 5. And maybe mostly because of Maz, but, you know, what, what what's the girl going to do?
0: Oh, man, I didn't remember that they were making one. You've just yes. blown my mind.
1: Yes, they they finished filming. Yeah. As Mickelson is in it, Phoebe Waller Bridge is in it. Mm-hmm. I've known nothing of the story, but that's enough to be for me to be like, I, I must go see that. Yes.
0: I'm guessing Shia LaBeouf is conveniently not in it.
1: I don't know. Maybe. I am unaware of any Shia LaBeouf appearances in that movie. No,
0: and or if they make even reference to him, or just pretend yes. he does that. or does not exist.
1: Yes. Yes. I have. I have no idea. Of his character's existence in this movie. All I know All is he's right. in it. So awesome. But we'll to we'll look that up later. Yes, because then and that's that's not why people are here. People are here to talk about Stargate. Yes. So it's it's been a, it's been a couple weeks for us. So please forgive <laughs> us if we need to if we need a minute to find our groove. I uh, know.
0: It's like we're catching up with each other at the same time. It is. Yes. Yes. Mm.
1: So did you remember this one?
0: No, I did I not. Know. No. Okay. Not at all. and But, you know, it felt very familiar at the same time. Like, like, oh, I like this one. This is good. It's a nice, I don't want to say happy plot line, but, you know, mm. it, it has a nice resolution. I like it. Yes.
1: It is a very sort of, like, quintessential Stargate episode, I will say. It has, yes. like, this is what a Stargate episode is. Yes. yes.
0: The only only big old criticisms I have for these are the usual you know nerdy stuff we talk about of the technical sci-fi universe abilities of what Daniel should and should not be able to walk through
1: yes <laughs> That's <laughs> that that stuff is... you just gotta be like you guys yeah he's like he can walk through walls but then he's leaning on walls and sitting on tables and it's like I know. Can he he like will himself to lean on? Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) I know. And he moves a chair. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, is it like Ghost where he's just in the right emotional state? You know, if he gets like mad enough or something, he can interact with our plane of existence. Yeah.
0: Let's go with yes. And now we can all imagine together Daniel and Jack doing a clay scene. Whether or not you're into that sort of thing, either way, it's either awesome or hilarious and or both.
1: Uh, it is both. It is both awesome and hilarious. Who's, who's, who's Demi Moore and who's Patrick Swayze? <laughs> that scenario. Well, Daniel is the ghost, so. so. And that's even more hilarious. <laughs> Somebody draw that. Somebody out there that must be a fan artist. Somebody make that for us, please. Please. <laughs> you must yes. see that now.
0: Yes. So, however that scenario plays out in your head, you're welcome, or I'm sorry.
1: Oh, thank you. I will say thank you. I appreciate that mental image. Moving on. All right, moving on. So, this is Crystal Skull. It originally aired on March 3rd, 2000. We have a story by Michael Greenberg and Jared Paul with the teleplay by Brad Wright, and it was directed by Brad Turner. And in this episode, an alien artifact causes Daniel to disappear, and the team looks for help from his institutionalized grandfather, unaware that their friend is still close by.
0: <gasps> da, da,
1: da. So we open on an alien planet with the gate open and a map kind of traveling down this like walkway towards a very, very large pyramid. And then we cut back to the SGC. We're up in the control room. SG-1 are observing the MALP video as it approaches with Sam at the controls. Sam says the pyramid is over 1,000 meters tall, which, to give you some, like, context, the Burj Khalifa towers are, like, only, like, 850 meters tall. So, Ooh, damn. like, this is massively huge. Like, yeah. Like, it's big. It's big, like it's bigger than big. It is like it's so big. It's so big, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Daniel comments that this is like definitely mine, so he's got to go see it. And then we get inside the pyramid, and it's just like this huge, like empty cavern with like stalag tights. Are those the ones that come up? Whichever ones come up from the floor, mm-hmm. are those stalag tights or like stala- I forgot to look up which ones it is.
0: I don't, I don't remember.
1: Know. Um, but she says like, it's full of leptons that are interrupting the neutrinos. So now she's got to go see this. Oh, and, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, I did try to look up stuff about leptons and neutrinos <laughs> to, you know, do a <laughs> fun fact. I'm to. sure
0: you found but so much information that made um, perfect sense.
1: I, I am not smart enough to understand what they are other than their types of like subatomic particles. Right. That That's all I got for you. But there is one sort of fun fact I learned uh, apparently, there's different types of leptons, but they're not called types. They're called flavors. Really? Yeah. They're flavors of leptons.
0: Well, now I want to know why something would be called a flavor over a type.
1: I didn't. I did not say oh, why.
0: Oh. Right, that's what my brain's going to be itching on. Crap. Okay. Right. Also,
1: neutrinos are the smallest particle that we currently know of.
0: Mm. I'll tell you that. Got it.
1: So Daniel spots something on the other end of this very narrow walkway and asks Sam to, like, if the map can get closer, but, like, the map is much wider than this little narrow ledges, so the camera zooms in, which it really shouldn't be able to zoom in with as clear of a picture as it does, but it's TV, and that's what cameras do on TV, um, and... There's what looks like a human skull on the pedestal, and Daniel's like, No, that's not a human skull. It's a crystal skull. And they're like, How do you know that? And he's like, Because it's just like the one found in Belize in 1971 by my grandfather.
0: And this would be the first dimension of his grandfather,
1: yes? It is, yes. Yeah.
0: Can you also imagine, like, if the pathway had been wide enough to try? they had been wide enough to try and drive the mouth down and they had to try and drive it in the straight line all the way there i would have loved to have seen the camera footage of the mouth just go like, <laughs> off the side when they yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that would have been yeah. interesting if it was like just wide enough, but no it's it is extremely narrow
0: maybe As... they would have actually found out how deep it was then though <laughs> that is possible yeah
1: Could have found out how deep it was, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we come back from the opening credits, and up in the briefing room, we have SG-1 there along with Dr. Fraser and Hammond, and Daniel's giving everybody a sort of brief rundown of crystal skulls in general, and specifically the one found by his grandfather, Nicholas Ballard. And the one Nick found was carved against the grain from a single piece of crystal, which should not have been possible given the tools at the time it would have been carved. And he also claimed, or Nicholas claimed that if you stared into the eyes of the skull, you would be transported to see aliens. So much like Daniel, he was also kind of laughed out of the scientific community a bit in a way for this whole aliens did it theory. And although Because of what SG-1 knows, they're not quite at the point of dismissing Nick's claims because they know aliens exist. Because aliens. Because aliens. And so Hammond does authorize a standard recon mission, and Dr. Fraser cautions against staying any longer than like 10 to 15 minutes given the type of radiation that's present in the pyramid. And Daniel argues that there must be some kind of radiation suit they could wear to protect against that, and Jack's like, hey, remember what Sam said, that Nintendo's passed through everything, which makes, he's like, you know, he was, he, he, you know, he's, he was, he's almost there, he almost got it, but, you know, he was listening and paying attention, and that's important, so. There
0: are some really good one-liners in this episode, my favorite being Delivered by Tealg.
1: Okay, you'll have to tell me which one it is when we get there, because. Yeah, I will. There's yeah. a lot so sg1 are on the planet and making their way inside the pyramid and sam comments that the muon radiation is increasing and apparently a muon is a type of lepton i did get that far it's a flavor it's a flavor not not a type it's a flavor <laughs> so uh daniel comments on how large the space is and that like you could fit every pyramid on earth inside and still have room left over and they all make their way down this very narrow walkway to the skull and then everybody's kind of like having their own little conversation while they're there and like Jack and Sam are just kind of making general observations about the environment while Daniel and Tilkar are really checking out the skull itself and it doesn't seem to obviously be a kind of transportation device as there's no writings on either it or the pedestal and Daniel seems just kind of totally enraptured by the skull and just like stares into its eyes as Nicholas had claimed he did And Tilt calls out to him, but just gets ignored. And suddenly there's uh, this sort of swarm of small lights inside the skull and the radiation starts spiking. And Jack's like, all right, time to go. The lights then, like, explode out of the skull surrounding Daniel. So Tilt zats the skull and it kind of knocks Daniel back out of the way. And he's just unconscious on the floor. And then Jack asks where Daniel is. Which, what do you mean? He's right there on the floor. What's going on? And Tilk heads over to the skull and just walks right through Daniel. Ah, oh, man. So, Sam then passes out from the radiation. Luckily, Jack is there to catch her and, like, hoist her up on his shoulder, and he's like, okay, it's time to go, like, right now. So, Jack carries Sam back through the gate as Tilk follows behind, leaving Daniel on the planet, because they apparently can't see him. Not good. No. Also,
0: if I was a member of the SG team going to that planet, there's no way that I would have been able to walk a straight line on that walkway. I
1: know. Just <laughs> That's no. Which, also, we learned back in Thor's Chariot that Daniel's afraid of heights and yet seems to have no problem at all doing that walk across that uh, very large, empty cavern beneath him that goes who knows how far down.
0: Yeah. So. Really long, yeah. tiny. Nails. I, I would have... Uh-huh.
1: I would have had to do, like, to get on my hands and knees and, like, crawl across yes! things. <laughs> like, I'm not walking on that. Nope.
0: Nope. Yep. Yep. Um,
1: so, well, they... Can make... we
0: install some sort of railing on this lake?
1: <laughs> if, we, if we go back, can we put up a safety railing, please? Uh, um, so, they make it back to Earth and kind of just collapse on the ramp once they come out. And Hammond calls for a medical team before asking where Daniel is, but no one answers. And Jack and Tilk are still kind of conscious at this point, but they, they just pass out before they can tell him anything that happened. So not not good things have happened so far on that no. planet.
0: No.
1: We cut to the infirmary sometime later, and Tilk is conscious, but not really at his best yet. And Jack kind of slowly wakes up, complains about being too hot, and asks after Sam and Daniel. And Dr. Frazier explains that the radiation messed with his hypothalamus, causing his, mm-hmm. like, internal thermometer to like go haywire and like his temp and his heart rate and his blood pressure are all just like out of whack and sam is still unconscious and hammond informs jack that daniel didn't make make it back with them and then this is where tilk speaks up about what happened and how daniel seemed to just disappear so huh that's okay sure weird and not good weird and not good no both both of those things yes yes Mm -hmm. So up in the control room, they've redialed the planet and Hammond is using the map to try and look for Daniel, but there's no sign of him, like even on the infrared, there's like no like heat signature or anything like that. Tilk enters because he is now fully recovered, thanks to Junior, and volunteers to go retrieve the skull, as that may be the only means they have to find Daniel. And then Hammond asks what would happen if Tilk sort of disappeared like Daniel did. And so Rachel, is this this it? This is my favorite one-liner. Would, would you like to de- Would you like to deliver it?
0: No, because I don't remember the exact wording. Uh, I just remember uh, how awesome it was, and I'm quite certain you have it right in front of you.
1: I don't. I don't have the exact wording. I did not write that, but I do have that. It still was something open. To be effective.
0: Well, then I would have successfully located him.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Where is it? Hang on. There it is. Um. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Hammond goes, and what if that thing zaps you to where it sent Dr. Jackson? until it goes then I will have succeeded in locating him. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> that is my favorite one.
1: Yes, that is that is that is a very <laughs> good one. Yes, yeah, I agree. So, and Hammond's like, well, you can't really argue with that, I guess, because Tilk heads back and he's running down the very narrow pathway to get the skull and manages to run in such a way that he doesn't run through Michael Shank's. This time, because, you know, Michael Shanks is physically there. So there's only so many times they can do that. And Daniel's like, oh, my God, hey, Tilk, where is everybody else? What's going on? And Tilk obviously can't hear him. He just sort of gets the skull and puts it in um, one of those large, you know, plastic cases they have for carrying things. And then Tilk turns around and runs through Daniel, who's now standing up and, like, standing in his way. And Daniel's like, that was, ooh, that he did not, like, That wasn't like, right. That, no. um, so took like runs back down the down the walk and he kind of like pauses to look around for a moment like is this everything fine? Yeah so but unfortunately doesn't see or hear Daniel. so Daniel then takes off after Tilk for some reason taking off his pack and just like chucking it into the massive void <laughs> for some reason. Um, and they head back to earth and the gate closes like very soon after Daniel comes through like almost catching him and it is. Now very clear that nobody can see or hear him yeah, for some
0: reason. I'm sure this would warrant some sort of discussion on our previous things of like how how does the gate know that there are people there? How does it know when stuff is in it? How? But I don't I don't even I don't know where we would start on that one.
1: Mhm. Uh-huh. Yeah, cuz if he if he's out of phase, does it detect his particles, but it's just, you know, our vision isn't aligned, but the gate can detect it because I think like what happened when Daniel came through and the gate shut off, he like looked up at the, at the control room and went like, Hey, like whoever was in the control room manually turned off the gate. Like we probably Mm. do all the time, you know, like, I don't think it was the gate, just itself shutting down. It wasn't like the gate tech going gate off thing in this scenario.
0: Yeah. so." Yeah. Are we co- are we continuing with going with the the gate kind of knows when there's organic matter in it theory? So
1: I don't know because it one. sends because there's also the mouth, which is, is you know not maybe they well it's not living, but is 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 metal organic? <laughs> I I don't um,
0: maybe they slather it in something that reads <laughs> it as organic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I if if I if I think about this too much harder, my brain is gonna stop working. So maybe
0: it's something that has electrical current in it.
1: Possibly, because people have electrical currents in them. Yes. Maybe. Hmm. So like, if you threw a stick through it, would then nothing happen?
0: I don't know, because the harpoon worked, didn't it? Yeah. Mm, crap.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll keep throwing out theories. All right. So Hammond mentions that Dr. Rothman, who was first mentioned in Forever in a Day, is waiting to examine the skull and passes it off to Siler, who's there. And Tilk adds that Sam will also want to examine it. And Hammond's like, I'm sure she will as soon as she's recovered. And Daniel's like, recovered from what? Because he has no idea what's happened. Like none at all. So then enters the infirmary, followed by Daniel to, you know, check on Jack and Sam. And Sam is still unconscious, but Fraser assures Tilk she'll be fine. And then Jack calls out to the doc. Apparently he's, like, super bored. But uh, Jan is like, you're not fine. You need to stay here. You're not better. Just stay. (laughs) And then, like, walks away as Jack mutters under his breath, Napoleonic Powermonger, which is just (laughs) one of the best nicknames ever. Or Fraser, because it just, yeah, because, it's hilarious. Yeah, but
0: I did like that exchange. Yes, but, His whole attitude is very, like, seven-year-old, meh. Like,
1: I'm, I'm bored. Why I do not want to be, be so here. Yes. Um, yes, but here's, fun fact, Napoleon wasn't really that short.
0: Oh, yeah, I think I remember hearing that.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, like, looked up specifics if you want some more specific information, because I just well, thought this how, was a funny thing. How tall was he? So he was probably somewhere between 5'6 or 5'7, which was maybe a little short by today's standard, but like a perfectly average height for his day. Um, The issue is, so at the time, his height was reported as being 5'2, but the French inch was longer than the British inch. So he was 5'2 by French standards, which was not an exact comp. Comparable to like British units of measure. So when the British heard he was five foot two, they're like, oh ha, ha ha, he's so short. And then there's also the thing that you know he was adrenaline stuff, so he was very often surrounded by soldiers and people who were very physically large people. So there's also just sort of the perception of him looking physically smaller than the people who were around him. Mm. So, but no, he was he was a perfectly average height for his day and not. Mm. A short little nothing of a man. So, Yeah.
0: All that legend for nothing.
1: I know. So, Never there you go.
0: you silly man.
1: Yep. So, Tilk has gone over to talk to Jack and let him know that, you know, Daniel wasn't there. But he doesn't think, like, the skull is a weapon of any kind and that it really was a transportation device and sent Daniel somewhere. And Jack then laments that it's Rothman who's working on it because apparently Rothman's not as smart as Daniel and they need Daniel to do the work. But, you know, Daniel's not there. So... Jack then tries to get Tilk to help him out of bed, and Tilk refuses because, you know, Dr. Fraser said, you're not ready to get out of bed, so Jack just tries to stand up and then just falls on the floor. <laughs> and Tilk just reaches down to pull Jack up and just, like, plops him face down back on the screen, which is just one of the funniest scenes ever. That little exchange is just... Oh,
0: and there, yeah, there's like, another, what is it, Tilk says, of, like, Doctor Fraser tends to. Doctor Fraser's usually right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Doctor Frazier's <laughs> usually right. Yeah. yeah.
0: I like these things. But so something occurred to me. Okay. In my brain.
1: Okay. Um. I, that, I hope I it would not occur in your stomach.
0: <laughs> well, you never know. What <laughs> anyway. Um. That I mean, of course, they do it this way because these are the stars of the show. But mm-hmm. it occurred to me how interesting it was that like when there is something. Not, I mean, it is mission related, but it's at at the time that like Daniel goes missing, it is more like personal than specific mission related. Mm-hmm. How it is still, aside from outside consultants, it is still only SG1 dealing with said issue, and they don't bring in anyone from any other SG team that's like available or on hiatus or whatever to offer their assistance.
1: Interesting.
0: Like if something happened to somebody on SG-4, does that mean only SG-4 is in a lab working on
1: it? Huh. Interesting point. Yeah. I don't, I get maybe it depends on what the problem is. Because, I mean, they have Dr. Rothman working on it.
0: Yeah, but he, once he wasn't on SG-1, like he's now an outside consultant, right? He wasn't put on another SG team. Or was he?
1: I don't think he's on another SG team. I think he's just sort of like base personnel. Like he just works on the base. He doesn't go off world. Yeah. So, but I guess who, I mean, who else would you get? Like what other type of help would you need other than the person who's sort of second behind Daniel as far as like archaeology kind of stuff?
0: I don't is. know. If if somebody mysteriously just disappears and go missing, wouldn't you kind of want, like, all hands on deck for whoever's available?
1: I mean, all yeah, but... All brains I, available? Yeah, but they also kind of write the show, like, SG-1 is, like, the smartest people.
0: I know, which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do that because they're the stars of the show. But it yeah. just, like, occurred to me yeah. how... How they only ever have SG-1 dealing with SG-1 things. And they're never like, oh my god, this person is missing. We need like four other people from the SG team. Except for the rare times that they really do call for backup. In which case, it's an entire team. Yeah. It's never like, hey, Chris is free.
1: Can we borrow so-and-so from SG-4? Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Hmm. I may have to pay attention to the next time like an SG-1 specific thing comes up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, which is interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's
0: true. Because it's Stargate
1: SG-1. <laughs> it's Stargate SG-1, not Stargate SG-C. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's yeah. really okay. ultimately
0: why they did it. I just find that funny. Yeah,
1: It is interesting, yeah. I don't think I've ever really noticed it like sort of in that way before.
0: Yeah, just kind of yeah. like when they're in the base, problems are occurring on the base. Why, why don't they pull in extra resources for whoever's not off-world?
1: Yeah, that's very true. Very good point, yes. Yeah, Brain. Yep, 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 yep. There you go. <clears throat> okay. All right, so Hammond and Tilk and Daniel are in Rothman's office where he and, and apparently Siler are working on examining the skull. And it seems like for some reason they haven't told Rothman that the skull was found on an alien planet. Yeah, which I really which I don't understand. Like, why weren't they? We why? found this on P3, whatever this planet's designation is, and it made Daniel disappear. I don't know. Like, yeah. I
0: noticed why are they, that. He, like, why are they treating him like some sort of guy who doesn't know what's
1: up? They, he knows what's up. He works in the SGC, he knows what's up. It was yeah. weird. And Rothman starts spouting some like benign facts, and that it looks like the one Nick found, but thinks this one was made in Germany in the 1800s. And I have some fun facts about crystal skulls we can get to at the end when we're discussing, like, the episode title. But this is all, like, actual, like, Germany in the 1800s is where crystal skulls were from, really. Oh, all right. um, and Hammond and Tilk tell him they think it's a transportation device. And he's like, really? And Daniel's like, yes, good, be skeptical. And he goes, it's just a skull. It's like, not that skeptical. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, And Hammond's like, I, it did something like we aliens are a thing that happened in your workplace figured out happened figured out hammond wants a report in 12 hours and they leave and rothman turns aside i was like so what do you think and so i was like i think you're gonna get fired
0: see <laughs> <They're laughs> really good one-liners in this, this one
1: really good this is there's a lot of really good quips in this one yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so we cut to tilk meditating in uh Kel-Narim. And Daniel's sort of sitting there with him and thanks him for going back, since otherwise Daniel may have been stuck there. And Tilk then seems to kind of, like, sense Daniel's presence in a way and, like, snaps out of meditation is like, who's there? Uh, Unfortunately, he still can't see or hear Daniel, so he ends up going to sort of, like, check in the hallway, like, maybe he heard somebody walking by but nobody's there and then he again just like walks right through daniel as he goes to return to meditating so mm, we almost we almost had a thing but mm, not quite so sam and dr Fraser head into rothman's office where he's staring directly into the eyes of the skull like daniel what like daniel was and sam's like don't stop doing that don't no bad stop uh unfortunately rothman has not been able to recreate anything like, what happened to Daniel? there's no radiation. it's not like transporting him anywhere. There's nothing according to him. it's just a paperweight. And Sam kind of like, this is, yeah. like you, you, this, this is this is not just a paperweight. this is something you get figured out. And so Sam's like, all right, let me run some tests. Maybe there's something in like the crystal structure itself like that's just not visible to the naked eye or whatever. And Dr. Frazier then goes to get Sam a glass of water and Daniel kind of jumps down from the table he was sitting on and is like, I'm not hungry or thirsty. That's not a good thing. And he's like, so am I dead? Am I ghost? Does that mean I'm a ghost? And Sam then kind of like gets this weird look on her face and looks around kind of almost like she sensed like, I don't know why I wrote it to say almost like she sensed a disturbance in the force uh, when Daniel was talking about yeah. like being a ghost. Like she got kind of like, she got the shivers kind of a thing, like, woo, something weird happened. And Frazier's like, it's probably just, you know, the lingering effects of the radiation. And Daniel's like, I think that was actually me. Again, maybe sort of, you know, emotions, putting, you know, strong enough emotions, like the fear of being dead, pretty strong emotion, I would think. Um, I do
0: think
1: so, yes. So yeah, uh, we cut back to sort of like the control room where there's a UAV being prepped for launch back to the planet to do uh, a wider survey around the area of the pyramid. And Sam comes in to tell Hammond that unfortunately all of their tests have yielded nothing. They can't. The skull's not doing anything. There's nothing weird with it. They can't figure out what's going on with it at all.
0: It really is a paperweight.
1: It really is. Unfortunately at this point. So Jack wants to head back again themselves. To see what's going on but frazier's like the radiation is still too high can't risk it and sam's like what if we talk to daniel's grandfather and daniel's like oh no no mm-mm, nope that oh, bad bad idea no. because apparently nick is currently living in a psychiatric institution so
0: hey. i think the important part though is that he checked himself in there
1: that is true. I do agree. That is a very important distinction to yeah. his current living situation. But apparently like the whole crystal skull debacle just led to a mental breakdown. And yeah, he ended up checking himself in. And Daniel seems to think that Nick doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. Cause they got like into a big fight the last time Daniel went and saw him. But according to Dr. Frazier, the staff have said that he still talks about Daniel all the time and that any friends of Daniel's would be welcome. So Hammond gives them the okay to go ahead with a reminder about the very top secret nature of where they work. So she won go to visit Nick and there's hanging out in the waiting room and a nurse comes in and is like, okay, I'll go see if he's ready to see you. And Daniel's like, why am I just standing here waiting? <laughs> which yes, very good point, Daniel. Yeah. So Daniel just follows the nurse into the room and the nurse is like, Colonel Neal and his friends are here to see Nick, which it kind of seemed like when, like, the nurse was in the waiting room, she didn't know who they were. And then she goes in and is like, Colonel O'Neill and his friends are here. So, I was a little confused. weird to, Like, what the nurse knew didn't... I don't know. It was a little yeah. weird.
0: Because um, they had to explain their relationship.
1: Yeah. Like, you, I don't think you can just walk in often and be like, hey, we're here to see Nick. Okay, who are you? Like, yeah. I yeah. don't know. Um, but, um, so... Daniel's in the room, and Nick seems to kind of like look at Daniel. Like, he seems to kind of. Which I love. Oh, so it's like we, we're starting to get the sense like, does he? Can he? Can he him? Can yeah. You see him? Oh, does I he? I totally know? love it. Yeah.
0: It's played and so right.
1: It is. Yeah. And so, as she won, are shown in uh, to talk to Nick, and he tells them a little more about his relationship with Daniel and that. He didn't believe Daniel about the pyramids, but Daniel didn't believe him about the skull either. And they seem to have a fairly contentious relationship a bit in a way. And But they do finally get to the reason that they're there. They want to know about what happened in Belize in 1971. And he's just like, why? And they finally are like, well, we found another skull that seems to be identical to yours. And they think if they can understand what happened to him they can understand what this artifact that they have is and nick is like take me there and they're like we can't and he's like well then i'm not going to tell you anything so
0: it seems really interesting isn't it that they both had that nick was like obviously this crystal skull like this alien thing happened to me and whatever and danny would be like no you're crazy Pens. it's totally not true but let me tell you about the pyramids landing (laughs) pods for aliens No, it's preposterous. You're crazy pants. I I don't really see how that can cause a rift in relationships.
1: Well, here's the thing. If you go back to the original movie, Daniel's only argument is that the pyramids are much older than the current science at the time thinks they are. The only time aliens are mentioned is by somebody in the audience going, oh, so you think aliens built them? And he's like, I don't know who built them. They're just older than we think they are. So yeah. aliens don't come into play until, like, the Stargate is actually opened and Daniel goes to another planet. In the movie, Daniel doesn't believe in aliens, as far as I can tell, at the beginning of it.
0: Yeah, he's just very open-minded of, like, ah.
1: I don't know. I just know what we think is probably wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was. But then, yeah, for some reason, somehow... Through the course of the show, it's been sort of twisted a bit to Daniel Jackson thinks aliens built the pyramids, which he doesn't actually. So, yeah.
0: Well, a lot of things have <laughs>
1: kind of morphed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> morphed <laughs> in the
0: course of the show that yes. we're not the original thought.
1: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, back in the SGC, Jack and Daniel are in Hammond's office trying to convince Hammond to let them bring Nick you know to see the skull in person and Hammond's argument against it is that he's a civilian who's been in a psychiatric facility for the last 20 years and Jack's just like yeah perfect cover who would believe anything he says if even if he does see anything weird who's gonna believe him which and <laughs> I know, Hammond's, so like, Hammond's like damn it you make a good point so as long as they keep him away from level 28 like where the target actually is fine he can come and look at the skull so, Jack leaves as Hammond's phone rings, and Daniel kind of lingers for a second to just say thanks. And as he turns to walk away, uh, it turns out Hammond, who's calling Hammond, is his granddaughter. And Daniel's kind of like, huh? This is an interesting conversation. Let me stay and eavesdrop for a moment. Um, yeah. You were getting a
0: call on the red phone, right?
1: Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, if you remember a couple episodes ago, uh, Hammond's granddaughters are number one on his speed dial on the red phone and the mm-hmm. president is number two so oh, yes. I
0: did not remember that all
1: right Proceed. um so I just this whole conversation is just super cute and adorable and apparently his granddaughter Kayla has lost a tooth and uh she wants Hammond to come see her school play the next night but he says he can't because a very good friend of his is lost and needs his help
0: No, like, it is really cute
1: it is cute yeah so uh, Nick is in the SGC and Marvel's over the skull. And I don't, I this bothers me for some reason, but Tilk doesn't have like a hat or anything on to hide his first prime symbol in front of this civilian who should not know that aliens exist. Like he yeah. has not yet been told about the gate. Like Tilk was wearing a hat when they were outside. He should have on, a ban- he should have something covering the symbol. I know he's in the SGC, but civilian, civilian, civilian. So.
0: Yeah, I noticed that too.
1: That bugged me a little bit. He asked them where they found it. They obviously can't tell him. And Daniel, Daniel's just like, you're going to have to tell him eventually. And uh, Nick mentions the skull being on a stone pedestal and kind of looks over Jack and Sam, who kind of look at each other like, ah, and he's like, aha, you've been there. And Sam's like, "Belize," And he's like, no, you've been to the giant cavern. And they're kind of like, the not what?" What, what giant cavern? By? I don't know. What? Mm-mm. Mm. And so Nick does then finally tell them about what happened in Belize. And he found the skull sort of like buried underneath a temple. And it was on a stone pedestal. And he was then surrounded by a field of energy and transported to a cavern so large that he didn't believe it could be anywhere on Earth. And then giant aliens of mist rose up and said, "Uya, walling, walling, wait, which is Mayan for "the enemy of my enemy is my friend." So I did a little research into this little thing, like where this came from. Uh huh. Is it, it Mayan? Do? Um, no. <laughs> Not an <laughs> no. origin. Um, so way before the this the sort of phrasing of it, sort of in this manner, like the enemy of my enemy, my sp- is. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. There was a saying from the fourth century BC in Sanskrit by Cautilia, which was, A king whose territory has a common boundary with that of an antagonist is an ally, which is sort of, you know, if you're surrounded by enemies, you're also surrounded by allies because you can be allies against a common enemy kind of thing. Yeah. How it's phrased today comes from the Latin phrase uh, amicus meus. Inimicus inim- inimici mie, which means my... <laughs>
0: you want to try that again?
1: <laughs> amicus meus inimicus inim- inimici mie, mei. Sorry, trying, I'm trying to apply my Italian knowledge to Latin. <laughs> amicus meus inimicus inimici mei, which is my friend, the enemy of my enemy. OK, makes sense. Uh, so how we know it today. The enemy of my enemy is my friend was first recorded in English in 1884 by Gabriel Manigault in his book, Political Creed. Ah, OK.
0: So there you go.
1: 1884 is where we get the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. So We know it today. So. OK. OK. So way back when all this happened, you know, Nick was afraid to like. Say anything back to these giant mist aliens because he's probably like, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? And just kind of like closed his eyes and then found himself back in the temple in Belize and the ground started to shake. So he just like grabbed the skull, ran outside with the temple sort of collapsing all around him. And he went back years later to try and find the temple, but he said it was like it had never existed. And he then says, can you imagine what it feels like to go on the most incredible journey of your life and have no one believe you? As Jack and Sam exchanged very meaningful looks and Tilka's is kind of like, uh, mm mm-hmm, yeah." I really wanted them to reply
0: with something like you might be surprised. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. something that's like, I'm not saying, I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tilk then escorts Nick to a VIP room, and Jack asks Rothman if anything Nick said was helpful, and he's like, "Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, but uh, okay. Actually, no. Sorry." So Rothman's real do- doing really just a whole a whole lot of nothing in this episode. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam and Jack and Daniel are walking down the hall and Sam seems to think that Nick had been to that same cavern they were in where they found the skull. The giant alien thing is a little weird, but as she says, you know, someone did have to build it. And Daniel then ponders that maybe the skull was trying to send him somewhere like it did with Nick. But the process was interrupted by something. And Sam just gets in the elevator and is like, kind of feels like Daniel's still around, isn't it? And it's like, well, probably, you know, probably because we miss him. And then Jack's like, or oh, it's just the radiation sickness. Oh, ah, okay, good night, sir. And the doors close, and then Jack walks away. And Dan is just like, that's it? What, like, what, ha- what happened to working through the night? That you're just leaving? You're nothing? We're done? That's it? <sighs> I <like laughs> Which it. I mean, good point. But also, I don't know what else they could really do at this point because they unfortunately don't have anything. To yeah. do. So Nick has been shown to his room and Nilk's, Nick, Nilk. <laughs> <laughs> Nilk. Nick, Nick. Is that their starts, new couple's name? <laughs> oh God, no. No, 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 no. Cutting that off here. No. 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 Um, Nick starts to ask Tilk to tell Daniel something, but then changes his mind and it's like, I should really just tell him myself. So Tilk leaves and the camera pans and we kind of see Daniel leaning against a wall and, Daniel and Nick have this conversation where Daniel doesn't realize they're actually having a conversation and then he does realize it because, oh my god, Nick can see and hear Daniel. Like Which I
0: love. The- this is also played <laughs> extremely
1: well. I love it. It was. It was so good. It was so, so good. And, but like, it's this whole nice moment where like Nick kind of apologizes for not adopting Daniel, but like his work and his lifestyle didn't really let that happen and he feels bad about it. And, you know, Daniel's like, it's not your fault. Like, it's fine. And, um, but Daniel does finally manage to like convince Nick that he is really real. Like I'm really here. I'm not a hallucination. Like I need your help because otherwise I'm never going to be able to get home.
0: So also shout out to Nick's eyebrows in that scene, because (laughs) the lighting in the room just makes them so prominent that they really were like a third presence in there.
1: They are. They are really like crazy old man eyebrows.
0: They were fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So an airman then shows Nick into the briefing room, and the airman's like, I'm sorry, sir, but he insisted. And we have Jack, Fraser and Hammond all there, and he tells them about how he can see and hear Daniel and that Daniel standing next to me, has something to say. And everybody's a little skeptical, and Jack's just like, he's lost a little weight. And so Daniel goes, Jack, don't be an ass, which then Nick goes, Jack, don't be an ass. And Jack's like, Daniel? So
0: <laughs> His face was awesome. Like, yeah. wait, what? They- what?
1: Oh. That's, that's oh, not a That is a Daniel thing, yes. So basically what's come up is that they need to go back to the planet so that the transportation process can be completed, which was interrupted by Tilk blasting that thing with his Zat gun. So they ask why Nick didn't say anything earlier, and he's like, well, I thought I was just hearing voices because it's happened before and
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I like that explanation because you do kind of wonder like crap if he saw him why didn't he say anything and then he's just like i thought i was seeing things you're like well that's fair yeah very fair yeah
1: (laughs) so daniel then tells nick to tell hammond that if they leave right now he might be able to make it to see his granddaughter's play and so that's enough to convince Hammond. And so apparently they get the okay to head on back. So yeah, they they get all geared up and Jack and Nick are walking down the hall with like Daniel too. And Nick is still sort of doing that whole, please repeat everything I say, Nick, like from Daniel and, Jack questions that, like, it's not just the skull alone that did it, but, like, its connection to the cavern, too, to which Dana goes, yes, I think the skull is just the icon that represents the human form, and Nick just goes, yes. And you see Daniel in the go, yes. fair, yes. yes.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um, then apparently at some point, Nick had told Jack that Daniel said that Nick should go with them, and Daniel's like, I said no such thing. What? Why? Yeah, but I mean, can you can you blame Nick? Because I mean, I know, I'd right? probably do the same thing, really. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in the gate room, and we get the whoosh, and Nick is amazed, as one would be, and Daniel promises to tell him everything when they get back, and off they go.
0: And I also noticed that Daniel's boots sound clunky on the metallic. I mean, obviously, yeah. nothing really you can avoid, but it's just one of those things that if yeah. you're if you're nitpicking at the episode, like. <laughs>
1: He also casts a shadow, which... Ah, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, So they get back to the Gavern and start um, walking down the narrow pathway, which there's a bit of a goof here when they're sort of in that wide shot, like sort of like from the front with them walking down the walkway. Apparently a bit of like the green screen set was too low because at some point like the top of Christopher Judge's head gets cut off for like a split second as he walks by something.
0: oh really
1: yeah oh like like he like he got too close to the green screen or like there was like an overhang of something so that's funny yeah whoops Um, so um nick is the one who actually like puts the skull back up on the pedestal and everybody's like so now he's like now we wait for the giant aliens and they're like okay mm -hmm." i think i think they're still a little kind of like iffy about the whole giant alien thing but
0: why? I don't, they do I don't that know. the whole episode, where like every time he actually talks about the giant aliens, they're like, "All right, that's where you've gone to." be. And they kind of put on like the condescending, like, "Right, Grandpa," but mm-hmm. like, come on. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's I don't a know.
0: Stargate program where you're literally meeting aliens daily.
1: Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And it did
0: kind of bug me about this. A as much bit. as I really did like this episode, it did kind of bug me how every instance they were like, mm, "Aliens, really?" Sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Daniel like then like walks up to the pedestal and does the thing again where he like stares into the eyes of the skull and we get that field of energy thing happening, but this time they don't interrupt it and just let it do what it needs to do and it just sort of gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then finally like cl- and it like surrounds all of them. And then it like collapses back into the skull. And Sam's like, Daniel! And he's like, you guys can see me! Yay! Except for Tilk. Somehow Tilk, for whatever reason, was not transported or whatever with the rest of SG-1 and Nick. And he radios back to the SGC because they've been keeping the gate open this whole time. So they are in radio contact via the map. Which I think is very smart in this Mm -hmm. instance. And so Hammond's like, okay, you need to come back right now then. So Tilk just takes off. And um, then we get... The giant mist aliens appear And oh my God, they're, real. they're real And Jack goes holy smoke Bullwinkle <laughs> Okay, like, okay. Yeah. And he goes and say, hello what's your name And so the alien replies Quetzalcoatl Ooye walling walling way So this is Quetzalcoatl And Quetzalcoatl is voiced by Christopher Judge I thought it sounded Familiar so that that is Christopher Judge providing the voice of Quetzalcoatl. Oh,
0: good, I wasn't going nutty. Hope.
1: Would Would you like okay. to know something first about Quetzalcoatl? Sure. Okay. Um, he may be familiar with another with a ghoul, Actually, we met several weeks ago. Really. Lord Zapacna mm. was also one of the Mayan gods. So Quetzalcoatl is the feathered serpent, as is one of the major deities in the Mexican pantheon. In the earliest days of Quetzalcoatl, from about like the 3rd to the 8th century BC, he was mainly a vegetation god, sort of like related to earth and water, and was closely associated with the rain god Tlaloc. But with the rise of the Toltec culture in the 9th century Quetzalcoatl underwent a change and became the god of the morning and evening star. And then during Aztec times, which is like the 14th through the 16th centuries, he was the patron saint of priests and was said to be the inventor of calendars and books. He was also the protector of crafts craftsmen and was associated with the planet Venus. As he was the god of the morning and evening star, he was also then associated with death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And one of the main myths associated with him has him descending into Mixtuan, which is sort of the Mayan version of hell, I guess, or well, the Aztec version of hell, uh, with his dog-headed god companion Zolotol, where he gathered the bones of the dead. You're just, and
0: You're doing awesome with all of these names. Like You're just hitting it out of the park. It's amazing. <laughs> I
1: have um, to say. Where he gathered the bones of the dead and anointed them with his own blood, creating the people that inhabit the current universe. Yay! There you go. So that's Quetzalcoatl. Okay. Yeah. So Jack asked Daniel about why he's saying the whole enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. Like, what does that mean? And he's like, okay, till. Didn't come with us. Why? He's a pha. He's got a ghoul symbiote. So Daniel's like, we are also enemies of the ghoul. And he's like, and then Quetzalcoatl is like, great, you're very welcome. And so Daniel continues with the whole, we're peaceful explorers and want to exchange co- culture and knowledge. And they're like, cool, that sounds good to us, too. And they'll let Nick stay because they remember him, which she is very interesting. Do you it
0: weird that he, like, all of a sudden just starts speaking English?
1: I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I would
0: have liked to have for him to keep speaking in the same previous language the whole time. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> but
1: <sighs> TV. you know, TV, you have to allow for some allowances. Yeah. Um, I'm going to choose to believe that he is and Daniel's the only one who can understand him. And he's just speaking back in English. But then he would have to be able to understand English. And not just English, but modern American English, which, you know, is the whole thing in and of itself. We
0: don't even get it started. <laughs> don't even, don't get, even started get an that. English major started about that.
1: Mm-mm. no. No. But anyway, so, but apparently Quetzalcoatl remembers Nick, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's like, we can, we can get somebody else. Somebody, you know, would be cool. And Nick's like, no, I need to do this. This is, like, I've been, like, working on this thing my whole life. This is the thing that's been, like, eating at me. I want to stay. So... They're going to stay. He's going to stay. And so uh, the alien. In the
0: for the rest of them are
1: all just like, okay, bye. Right, bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like 41 minutes and 30 seconds. They got to like wrap it up.
0: <laughs> I know. But it's just funny how like <laughs> nobody has any sort of emotion. They're just like, okay, bye.
1: Yeah. And then Quetzalcoatl is like, look into the eyes of the skull. And Jack's like, Me. so apparently then you get back by then looking back into the eyes of the skull again. And so Sam and Jack head back to the skull, giving Daniel and Nick a moment alone to say goodbye. And Nick says that he's proud of Daniel, which is always very nice to hear. Yeah. And Daniel just kind of smiles and says, goodbye, Grandpa. No. The end.
0: Yeah. They cut the episode off before they actually get back. Yes. And I don't know. I found that a little odd.
1: But. A little bit. I guess we just, you know, assume that things will be fine because Quetzalcoatl says they'll be fine, so Yeah. But then Nick and the giant Mist aliens are never heard from again.
0: Ugh. Again.
1: Nope. <laughs> ah, so
0: question then. All right. So the Earth skull was obviously to transport you from Earth to the cavern. Yes. So then, what was looking into the eyes of the skull in the cavern really supposed to do?
1: Well, I suppose the one on Earth transported you to the one there, but also transported you into their dimension. So, if you should happen to be able to physically make your way to the planet, not via the skull, they would also need a way to transport you to. Their dimension because they are not in the same dimension as us mm. or they're out of phase with us. So they need a, a a dimensional transport as well as a physical transport, I guess.
0: I can go with that. OK. Yeah.
1: OK. Memos for this week.
0: Uh, I don't know, because. I really I thought this one was very well written like there wasn't a lot of anything in the script that made me like cringe with 90s goodness or badness Mm -hmm. um either way really I just I thought it was nice good plot line yeah like I said like the only criticism I had was the whole what can what can Daniel touch and not touch so I mean it comes right back to Daniel stop touching things Daniel, touch or no touchy? I yes. What yeah. <laughs> can Daniel touch or no touchy?
1: Yes.
0: So, okay. I, yeah, I, it comes back to that one again. If Daniel stop touching things. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. But yeah, it, it was weird how he would go through doorways, go through doors, go through people, sit on chairs, sit on tables. Yeah. Lean on walls. It yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. I think it could have almost worked if they didn't have him physically walk through the door because then at least he would have had a physical relationship with things it's just that the only time you saw thing was when something went through him okay so oddly, which oddly in my mind would have worked
1: so things passing through him rather than him passing through things yeah
0: at okay. least that would have at least provided some sort of Consistency, I guess, but yeah, it's it's when he went through the doorway that I was like, "Mm, Mm.
1: weird, interesting. Okay, yeah, but yeah, that's the kind of thing that happens like every sci-fi show when somebody's invisible, quote unquote, somehow.
0: Yeah, that like they're standing on the floor on a you know third floor of a building, but somehow they go through the wall.
1: Yes, you know the one piece of media that actually handled that properly.
0: Hmm?
1: Do you remember the movie Ghost Dad? with Bill Cosby? Yes, I do. And like he gets home and like starts to walk in and he actually like falls through the floor a little bit and he's like, "Whoa, why am I falling?" And then like manages to figure out how to walk on the floor. But oh, yeah. there's that bit at the beginning where he like kind of like falls through the floor up through like his shins or something. Yeah. 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 So one piece one piece of media got it right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh so should have watched that movie
1: yeah but they didn't so
0: no No. but yeah no i guess i guess my memo is daniel touch or no touchy we don't
1: (laughs) what (laughs) what are the rules of touching yes okay Uh.
0: (laughs) what is good touch bad touch
1: (laughs) no no i'm not
0: (laughs) in the official memo book Daniel, good touch, bad touch.
1: No. Anyone?
0: Okay. I'm going to reject that one. Okay. <laughs> the, the rules of touching is what sticks. <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so should we get into the episode title? Yeah. Okay. Um, So Crystal Skull, thank you for obvious why. So for those that may not be aware of sort of like the history and the mythology of Crystal Skulls, um there are these things they're sort of all over the world at this point and the people who have them always claimed they were found in like ancient mesoamerican like archaeological sites uh every skull that has ever been examined this has proven to be completely false it's just a big hoax um like they are all crystal skulls and they're all like carved out of one piece of crystal or quartz or whatever but they're not from ancient mesoamerica most are from Germany in the mid-1800s, as Dr. Rothman had mentioned. And they've apparently even been able to narrow it down to one specific town in Germany. Um, Idar Oberstein, which was apparently renowned for crafting items made from imported Brazilian quartz. What? Are
0: all of the crystal skulls, like, similar?
1: Um, Yeah, like, you can look up pictures. They're all, like, some of them are shaped slightly differently, but they're all relatively similar in like some are bigger than others and stuff but hmm. general shape and size and stuff is pretty similar yeah. um but it's sort of like around this time in history there was just like an increase in interest in ancient cultures and civilizations like this was during a time when people had sarcophagus opening parties like right. in their house like if if you've heard of those things like that was a thing that happened in history <laughs> which is really weird but it's a thing um and like you know, people would claim these crystal skulls had like mysterious powers and gave you like telepathy or whatever, or and like being proof of you know aliens having visited Earth because there's no way ancient people could have carved such a thing, which because they didn't, because they're all from Germany in the mid 1800s. So, <laughs> I mean, they're cool, but they're not ancient artifacts from
0: the they're not aliens.
1: They're no. not aliens. They're not agents, They're not mystical or magical or anything. They're just they're just really cool paperweights. <laughs> as Doctor Rothman said so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um. And all, all the foreign territory titles are just Crystal Skull. So oh,
0: okay.
1: not even anything fun there. Unfortunately. Well. Yeah. All so, right. Yep. Okay. Before we wrap up this week, though, we have email. Yay. Hey. Um, So our first email comes from our friend Mike uh, from when we were talking about Shades of Grey. Mike, I'm sorry. I made you feel like a ghost and yell at your phone because so we were talking about when we got to the end of that episode, like the next time we see Mayborn again and brought up that it was in the episode Watergate where Russia gets their own Stargate. And I was like, oh, that's right. They recovered the gate from Apophysis ship. They don't have the gate from Apophysis ship because I forgot what happens next week. Oh, <laughs> so next week. Like we find out next week. Um, which I can uh, either tell you how no, I was wrong, week. or you can just wait no. for next week
0: and just tell Mike he's awesome now. I know. And watch next week.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So the Russians don't have Apophysis Gate. You'll find out which gate they get next week. I think it's either next week or in 401, 322 or 401. All right. So you'll you'll figure out.
0: to praise the awesome. When we discover why the awesome,
1: yes, so <laughs> which is cool. And I was like, how did I forget that? Because yeah, it's kind of a big deal. What, how how Russia gets the gate and which gate it is. Yes, yeah, okay, cool. Which, yep, bring it on. Yep. Um. So we have a couple more emails. Um. We have a follow up from uh, Harry, who'd written in a while ago, uh, who is catching up and had written in about um, Broca Divide and um, just sort of about the split of like how a planet having like a permanent light and a permanent dark side works. Um, So he did say he thinks we got it right with sort of the moon Earth comparison where they are spinning, but they're sort of like tidal locked. So the same face of the planet is always facing the sun and the same side is always facing away from the sun. How do we talked about things like that? And blah, blah, blah. As for, apparently you then had a question about how gravity works. And um, he's like, he's not a scientist. A girl? I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, he's not a scientist. I think it isn't really affected thinking about the sort of moon Earth situation with, you know, rotating stuff. Only tides would really be influenced. And astronauts on the moon are tiny compared to those huge balls of rocks. They won't feel sort of pulled up by the earth above them. Um, the moon does affect the oceans, though. So I'd guess that the line of light probably has very slow tides that take like a year to cycle from like low tide to high tide. Mm,
0: okay. Okay. I
1: like yeah. it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he then adds that he sees we're close to Crystal Skull. So, hey, you made it for our Crystal Skull. Hey! Episode. Um, he has a headcanon about this episode he would like to share.
0: Okay.
1: And he says, of course, the reason we don't see the smoke giants again is probably because the writers got caught up in the Asgard replicator and ancient storylines. It's likely that they thought it would be confusing to return to the smoke giants. However, I like to pretend that the smoke giants are a small group of ancients who look all smoky instead of like glowing squids.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: I like that too. Yeah. yeah. Especially because they seem to have been around for... A very long time if this guy is like Quetzalcoatl, so because that dude is old. Yeah. Yes.
0: I agree. I'm going with you on it. Okay. We're gonna make it up. That's what happened. Well done. I like it.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. He then sent another email about maternal instinct and the whole if you immediately know the candlelight is flame, then the meal was cooked a long time ago. <laughs> Riddle thing that we couldn't come to an agreement on. Um, okay. Okay. So he goes, uh, but seeing it in the context of Daniel to be taught his lessons, he has an idea about what it could mean. Okay. What if it means if you already think you know everything that there is to know, then your teaching is already complete. The meals cook, the candles flame, therefore there's no room for further understanding. Uh, it reminds me of a Kung Fu movie where the protagonist approaches the master saying, I know so many fighting styles already. The master finds this interesting and starts pouring them some tea as the protagonist explains all the knowledge that they already have. The master continues pouring the tea until it overflows and makes a mess, making the protagonist shout out in shock. My cup's already full. Why are you still pouring? The master replies, comparing the overfull cup to the protagonist's overfull mind. Hmm. So that's an interesting thought about it being a reference to the knowledge you have and what you still need to learn. Yeah.
0: Can you refresh me on what the phrase from the episode was? If you if you know the candle's fire, the meal was cooked a long time ago. Yeah, if
1: you, if you immediately know the candle light is flame, then the meal was cooked a long time ago.
0: Mm.
1: And I was saying it was like, to cook a meal, you need fire. So if you have a candle, you have fire to cook the meal. So the meal's already cooked. If you think about time in a wibbly wobbly, timey whiny sort of way, not a strict progression of cause to effect in this. Because it's a sort of, you know, riddle-esque scenario no it's still no, no okay
0: <laughs> I mean I love I love that everyone's thinking I do love a good philosophical think and discussion but no I don't I don't like this one no mm. okay I mean no the the episode one not the email one right I like yes. the email one
1: okay yeah yeah I think it's gonna be things that will just be debated until the end of time and nobody will ever come to an agreement on what it means
0: Awesome. So we will keep talking about it. If anyone has any further ideas or changes them or merges them together or comes up with something else completely, let us know so that we can continue to
1: revisit our favorite discussion. Yes. (laughs) Who knows in a a year we may get a new (laughs) listener who's catching up and who and is like, I have a thought about it. And we'll be like, great, send it to us. (laughs) And we'll be like, fantastic. Yes. What was this again? Yep. (laughs) okay and that's all for the emails for this week
0: i like it i love that we actually have them
1: no me too please keep writing in yeah um two final thoughts how do we like this one yes no me
0: yes Yes. like it yes it's on the like scale yeah yeah
1: this is definitely in the top half of season three for sure
0: yeah Uh huh.
1: okay um, which speaking of, if you are listening to this, like right around the time it goes out, um, in two weeks, we'll be doing our season three like wrap up episode. So if you have any questions about what we thought about season three, any topics you want us to talk about, like top five, this favorite, that's whatever, um, let us know and we'll try and get to things if we can. Um. But thank you for listening this week to Crystal Skull. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at Woo. That's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Nemesis.
0: Yay! Welcome to Window Window
1: Oh, <laughs> oh you must up, It's you this time. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> <It's> me. <sighs> it's like That's the gonna first time out- ever. That's going to be an outtake at the end for the people who stay. <laughs> the very end.
0: Ah. Uh, all right, I have to get in character. I have to find out my motivation.